It's my privilege and my opportunity to be able to talk into that. And the headline verse, if you're taking notes, is from Ephesians in chapter 4 and verse 4. Phil set the, the series up so well and he said, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called into one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. It's my joy to be able to talk about Jesus this morning, so it shouldn't be difficult for any of us to uh, have an interest in this and for us to have our hearts that are opened. Just as a way of introduction, there was a a great English writer by the name of C.S. Lewis, and in his writings, he said of Jesus, he is either a lunatic claiming to be God, a liar, or, or he is in fact Lord. And this morning... There are many of you who have already made your mind up because you actually, he is Lord to you. But for others, you might be here this morning thinking this Jesus actually is a lunatic or a liar. But it's my hope this morning that as a result of you being in this place, that Jesus would have so spoken to your heart and the Holy Spirit would have done his work that you would realize that this Jesus is true and he is, in fact, God. You see, there's a uniqueness about Jesus He's above religion, religious figures that have come and gone. There are many people who've claimed to be more popular, lasting, and influential than Jesus. Let me say they haven't. I was thinking of John Lennon, for those who were around in the 60s, and I don't want to look at anybody as I say that. John Lennon said this, that about himself and the Beatles, we are more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Let me say, John Lennon has already, well, I'll leave it at that. But the reality is, rock and roll will fade away. But this word and this Lord will never fade away. Muhammad Ali said this, I'm the most recognized and loved loved man that have ever lived because there weren't no satellites when Jesus and Moses were around. I was going to try and do a Muhammad Ali accent, but my kids tell me I've got a rubbish accent. So so people far away in the village don't know about them. Muhammad Ali, I'm the most recognized and loved man that ever lived. Muhammad Ali also declared himself to be not just the greatest boxer, the greatest. Again, what a sad demise from a great boxer, but deluded. And then for those who are a little bit closer to home in terms of those who were possibly born in the 80s and 90s, there was a band by the name of Oasis in their pinnacle. They were the biggest rock band in the world. Liam Gallagher, one of the Gallagher brothers said this, we are bigger than Jesus will be as big as the Beatles, if not bigger. I find that statement fascinating. He's saying he's bigger than Jesus, but not quite as big as the Beatles, as though Beatles is bigger than Jesus. And then I don't know how long ago, months later, Pete, because Pete's a big follower of Oasis in terms of their music, you know, it would have been months, not too many months, probably 18 months. It all falls to bits. All these people who have come and gone, who have if I can use this word, please don't get offended, slagged off Jesus, slated Jesus. 
Because they've read about him in a book, they think they actually know him. Or they've read history. There are people who have come and gone, both celebrities, both personalities, and political figures, who have come and gone and have criticized this Jesus. But I want to say this Jesus is still alive. This Jesus, my Bible tells me, that is on the throne. And I'll come on to it as well. If you're thinking, well, you're just work, working from the Bible. I'm going to talk actually, I'm going to give you some theological basis for this Jesus. But really where I want to get to in my time, I want to talk to, to you about personally how I know him. Is that okay? Because that's the best way that I work from. But let's just see what the Bible has to say about this Jesus. If you've got a Bible, please turn with me to Philippians in chapter 2. If not, we'll try and get it on the screens. Philippians and chapter 2. And we'll just begin at verse 5 because it's worthy of a read. And we'll go down to verse 11. Paul writes here and he says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But this Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being found in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. This Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him, who's him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him, Jesus, the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under under the earth and every tongue Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'll come on to that towards the end of our message. But there are many references to this Jesus. Phil sent me as part of my preparation a video by J. John with an apologist by the name of Joseph Boot. I know Joe because... I was on a light force scheme when he was around as well. And Joe's an apologist who lives now out of Canada. And he said on this, on this film that there were 320 messianic prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled everyone. You see, the Old Testament speaks of Jesus, but the New Testament, there's like the curtain that opens and Jesus comes onto the scene There has been much written outside of the Bible about this Jesus, but there are many references around this Jesus. The Christian faith is rooted in Jesus. It's rooted on the foundation that Jesus came into the world as a little baby through a virgin called Mary. And yes, we do believe that. And he grew up into a man. He lived a perfect life. His real ministry was only around three and a bit years. But over the course of that three and a bit years, we see the Gospels account in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The wonderful, amazing things that Jesus did and he spoke of. But more than that was they put him to a cross, even though he'd done nothing wrong. He willingly, freely went to the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. 
And as they nailed him and hung him upon that cross, and yes, he actually did die. His spirit went to hell and he gained the keys. And three days later, he rose again victorious. And there were many people who testified to the fact that they saw this Jesus. This is the Jesus that I'm talking about. There is no other historical, religious, political figure who has had more impact in the world than this Jesus. There is not a religious figure who may have done wonderful things in other faiths, but they did not come back to life from the grave. Only Jesus. There is only one Jesus. You see, at Arena Church, we are Jesus Christ-centered. We are Jesus Christ-honoring, and we are Jesus christ Exalting. I thought that would have deserved a round of applause. That is the reality this morning. That is who we are. That is what we believe. That is what we believe. Be under no illusions if you're here, finding your way around church and what this church is all about and trying to make sense of your life. We're rooted in Christ. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Far from it. Doesn't mean that we get it all right because we don't. But at the core of our being, there is a desire to please Jesus. Can I hear an amen? There is a desire to please Jesus. I asked Phil, because he's the Bible teacher, he's the teaching pastor. I said, Phil, I worked through the series with him, but I was working on, there is only one Jesus. And I said, mate, you won't do me some notes, would you? Just, uh, no, I'm serious. I said, would you give me some notes? So he sent me some notes through, and when I read through, I thought, oh, I could preach them. But they're actually Phil's notes. They're not my notes. They're great notes, but they're not my notes. But they are worthy of a mention. So if you've taken a notepad and pen, you're going to have to get them for yourself, and then you have to race through them. But they're, So when we're talking about there's only one Jesus, number one, no one came like him. He was a God in flesh, John chapter 1 and verse 14. If you don't get them all, you can get them at the end. Secondly, no one spoke like him. John 7, verse 46. No one ever speaks the way this man does, the guards replied. Thirdly, no one claimed like him. I am. John 14, verse 6. Number four, no one saves like him. Acts 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. Number five, no one overcomes like him. Colossians 2, verse 13 and 15. He disarmed the powers and made a public spectacle over him, triumphing over them at the cross. Number six, no one promises like him. Acts 1 verse 11, I will come again. And number seven, no one reigns like him. Philippians 2 verse 9 to 11, at that day, every knee will bow. Seven things about this one and only Jesus. As I said, there's the Bible teacher in his pomp and in his glory. But the fact is, and not that we ever get that from Phil Frau from it. But I haven't come to give you a, a lesson this morning. This isn't school. I want to talk to you about now what Jesus means to me personally. Because it's impossible in the 30 minutes that we have together to talk about Jesus. It's impossible just through scriptures to try and give it justice in 30 minutes. What I would say to every one of you is you've got to go and find Jesus for yourself. I, 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 there's a number of things that I felt the Lord speak to me about at the beginning, towards the end of last year, the beginning of this year. And one of them, you've heard me say this. If there's anybody new in this morning, 
I want to encourage you, if you're on a journey, I want to encourage you, if you haven't got a Bible, go and ask for a Bible downstairs. We've got Bibles on reception. They're in a modern day. It's not these and thous. It's not the King James. It's the New Living Translation. It's a good translation. And I really felt the Lord speak to me about the fact that don't make assumptions, Christian. We make assumptions. Number one, people don't want to read the Bible. That's wrong. People do want to read the Bible. And secondly, everybody owns a Bible. That is, again, a wrong assumption. They don't. So they're the, they're the things he said to me. And this is what the Lord had felt the Lord say to me. He says, Christian, as people begin to read the Gospels, they will see Jesus and they will be saved. You will have to do nothing. So let me th- encourage every one of you to get in the Bible, to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you will see Jesus. You will see Jesus. I'm not just talking about the, his name on a book. You will literally see Jesus and you'll be saved. You will be saved as you see this Jesus. Because Jesus is not just someone who is, needs to just be there as a political and a religious leader, which we've already mentioned about. Because frankly, many people would say about this Jesus that he was a good man, that he was a prophet, that he was an excellent man. And history records that he did miracles, never mind the Bible. And there are many people that I come across who talk to me about Jesus but they don't actually know Jesus. Where's Pam? Pam in a testimony really impacted me. They all did. But Pam spoke about, I think it was 40 years she knew God, but now she's met. There we are. That impacted me. That impacted me. You see, because there's many people who know about God and follow God. They've never met Jesus personally. So let me talk to you about this Jesus that I know. Never mind a lesson. This is the Jesus that I know. And you're going to get the best of me now. Some of you have heard this, so I don't like to re-dig over ground, but I think it's worthy of the the, the illustration just for this this morning. There'll be a number of years ago, life was very good for me and Caroline. Life was very good. What I mean by very good, materially it was good. Genuinely, we, of course, you, 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 have, you have to work through things in, in marriage. But our marriage has, has always been really good, guys. And I don't say that as a boast. It's just, well, I do say it as a good boast. And, and kids have been good, of course. They, they take some handling, don't they, kids? Anybody had kids, you know, they take some handling. But a number of years ago, life was, life was good. And we were serving here. So we, we had a business and we served here. Where Jules served and Eric was the senior leader. And things were good. And uh, we were very thankful to God. We were giving. So we were generous in our giving. The money that we had, we were able to give into this church and to, into other ministries. We've always sought to try and be right by that in terms of giving. I was in the Bible so I was in the Word. I love Jesus. I used to come on Sundays with our family. We were part of, some of you here, it was a lot smaller then, and we used to, you know, worship God. And there wasn't any sense of, of, of any negatives. Life was good. And then we made a decision. The decision was we would sell that business and we would get involved in another business. And there was a few of us who were involved in that. And life went from good to gruesome 
in the space of about 18 months. Right? So, let me just say, in that 18-month period, the only way I can describe it is life took a turn for the worst. And life became not a joy, it became gruesome. It became very painful. Because I, and I can only talk about me, so I won't talk about the other, I made many mistakes. I knew that I'd created pain in, in certain contexts. There were words, not that spoken by me, that were spoken towards me that had pierced my heart repeatedly. And I knew that I'd made some wrong choices and decisions. I did write in here, for those who don't know me, I hadn't fallen, I hadn't fallen morally and I didn't lose my integrity. But we saw the business spectacularly go under. And all I can describe it here in my notes was, I had been broken. I was at the point of breaking. I remember sitting on here uh, in the morning, and the guys, some guys came and laid hands on me. And I was just, I was just, I was here, but I wasn't here. I was just completely not here, but I was here. Does that make sense to anybody? I was just so broken. I felt internally broken. I didn't have a breakdown. Some pe- somebody has asked me that before. Did I have a breakdown? I don't think I had a breakdown, but I'll tell you what, I don't think I was far from it. I was completely and utterly smashed. I had nothing in reserve, financially, spiritually, emotionally, and uh, it was a very, very difficult time. It's interesting that I'm hovering here. It was made easier through people like, and I will pay credit to Neil and Anne. They didn't, they didn't know this, but I put you in my notes. Who actually, they showed Jesus to me. There was a few of you who showed Jesus to me. I needed, I needed Jesus at that time. There were people who weren't showing me Jesus. But this couple certainly did show me Jesus. And they showed, showed me compassion and love and kindness. Because frankly, I thought that the ministry, just genuinely, I thought I was, out, I was out of it. I remember saying to Eric, I'm going to have to resign my ministry because of the catastrophe of this business that had fallen and the debts that were owed. And uh, this was all personally, nothing to do with the church. Don't misunderstand this. And uh, I don't even know whether Neil was there. But I said, I'm going to have to resign. I need to just be finished. I need to, I need to be out of the way. Because there's so much pain and I feel like I'm creating pain everywhere I go with people. And Eric and Phil, bless both of them, Phil and me, uh, Eric immediately says, and those who remember Eric, said, what are we, what are we flipping well going to do then in his own imitable way? So I was leading it at that point. I was leading this church. It passed the baton over to me. And I immediately said to Phil, well, Phil, you'll have to lead it. Phil immediately said, I did not come to lead it with what you're talking about. That is not what I came to do. You need to go on holiday. You need to go. You need to just go go and just go and find God. You need to go and find God. So, and it was that serious, guys. I don't know why I've said this to you before, but it was that serious. I, there was no joke. I thought I need to be out the way. And uh, thankfully, Caroline was wonderful. Our Annie, who sang this morning, I was just mindful of her. Even as she sung some of those words, I remember waking up in the night and she didn't know an awful lot of what was happening. She knew some things, 
And I remember saying she felt the Lord had said to her about some things. And she wrote on a note, I've still got it in my office. And on the top of it, it says, do not worry, Daddy. And she began to talk about from, from Psalm 23, what the Lord had said to her. All those kinds of little things you just need at that time, don't you? I remember standing, sorry, not standing, with Caroline weeping as I read this letter from my little daughter who was encouraging me to keep going when I wanted to quit because I just felt that life was not, it wasn't suicidal, but it was just, I've made such a hash of this, God. I've made such a hash for me and for others. You see, I realized the pain that I'd created in others, people who'd believed in what we were doing. And um, so I took it very seriously and took it to heart. I say all of that. You may say, where's Jesus in all of this? Let me tell you, without Jesus and knowing him personally, I still wouldn't be here today. You see, it's no good knowing just about Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus. It's at those times of crisis, actually, that you really, really get to know this Jesus, don't you? You see, and what happened was Jesus then, I think, began to rebuild me. By the way, he needed me to be broken. That's another subject in itself. He needed me to be broken. But he began to rebuild me, and I'm still in the rebuilding stage. And he began to reshape me. He began to reshape my values, my hopes, and my dreams. And I'm going on now for, you know, six years this has been ongoing now. And those hopes and dreams have been sieved and refined. And then I really, really believe that a number of years ago, we had the, the call again to be relaunched into this great unknown called Arena. Martin, who's in this morning, said to me at the last cannonball meeting, if I don't mind, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, with a tear in his eye, saying to me, Christian, don't misunderstand me here, but I'm glad that business failed. And I understand what he meant, or some words to that effect. Because then he went on to say, because we wouldn't have enjoyed all of this and all that's happening if we hadn't have had that. So there was a refining, there was a sieving, there was a, a relaunching into all that God had for me. Now, I say all of this again because I want it to be a reminder for you. It's not me just glorying in my story because we've all got our glory stories and Terry Eckersley says we have to go from one degree of glory to glory and then glory to glory. You heard that? We've all got a glory story. We really have. But in the midst of that, what kept me and Caroline and our family centered was we didn't just know about Jesus, we actually knew Jesus. And Jesus stepped into that situation. Now listen to me, for those, this is really important. We automatically think just because we're Christian people that it's going to take us out of it. It doesn't. You often just have to walk through it. You just often have to walk through it. There are some supernatural interventions that God brings And they're wonderful when they happen. But the majority of my life, I've had to just walk through the gore. I've had to just walk through. Now, I wouldn't have been able to have got through without me knowing Jesus personally. Are you hearing me this morning? So for those who just feel like they're in it, 
I want to tell you, my heart breaks when I hear some of your stories. And I want to solve it because naturally, by nature, I'm a fixer. But I can't fix it. But all I'd encourage you is to just keep getting hold of Jesus' hand. and Just keep walking with him. Just keep walking with him. Just keep walking through it. In these closing moments that we've got, I just want to talk to you about a story because this, what I've just said reminds me of a certain story. And if you've got your Bible, I wonder if you just turn to John chapter 8. We're not going to read all the verses together. It's found in verse 1 through to 11. John chapter 8, verse 1 through to 11. Because my story reminds me of this story. You may say, really, Christian, where's the connection? There's a massive connection. There is a massive connection. Now, this woman was caught in adultery. She was caught in adultery. She was found in adultery. And, and, and the law required that those who were found, they would be brought out in the, in the public view of everybody, and they would be stoned. This lady... She was found in adultery. She was a failure. There was public disgrace. Everybody would have been talking about it. The other thing is everybody was passing judgment on this woman. Because they all said she needs to be stoned. Can you imagine what this woman would have felt like? She would have been full of fear. Full of shame. Because what I've realized is sinners don't need to be told the sinners. They already know the sinners. What they need is amazing grace. I'm not, please don't misunderstand me that we'll talk to the sin. But I found with people on the street, they don't need to be told that they're sinners. They already feel like the sinners. They already feel like the rubbish. They already feel like nobody cares. What they need is they need grace. Jesus is the one who can take away your sin and give you a brand new start. This is what happened with this woman. She was full of fear, she was full of shame. And she probably thought she's never going to recover because it's going to ultimately lead to her death. And the other thing is interesting, people were vying for her blood. That's why it felt like I run great comparisons with what I've just shared about my story. Because I felt like I'd never recover. I felt like it was for all and sundry would knew about it. I felt like we'd never get up again. We'd made a public mistake. And actually, if I can say this, there were certain people who were vying for my blood. But I just love this response from Jesus to this woman. Five things. Five things for you to just think about this morning. Jesus' response. This is a Jesus who I know. And this is what he did for me in my story. And this is what he did for the woman in her story. Jesus' response, first of all, was one. He considered the sinner. He considered this sinner. He considered her. He saw her. I was so thankful that God considered me. And he considers you this morning. You are not someone who has been forgotten. He knows you and he knows you by name. Secondly, he calmed her fears. And Jesus calmed my fears. In the midst of that troubled storm... He calmed my fears. In the midst of rogue winds, eh, Tracy? God comes and speaks a word to each and every one of us. He calms our fears. Thirdly, 
he comforted the weary. She was weary. She'd been dragged. She'd been poked. She'd been slapped. You, I know I'm just going into the text. She, wasn't, she was dragged. She wasn't carefully handled. She was manhandled. She would have been weary. And Jesus came to comfort the weary. I'm thankful that I was weary at that time, but Jesus came and comforted me. And boy, did I need his comfort. Fourthly, and this is so wonderful to know, that he cherished the broken. Because actually everybody else said, she's broken, she's an adulterer. Everybody at me says, well, he's a failed at this, and he's a waste of time, and look at the promises that he's made. But I felt the cherish of God. God came and cherished my life. And God comes to cherish your life. He cherishes the broken. You might feel broken. You might feel weary. But God comes to cherish your life. And the last thing that I see from this story, and the thing that I draw a parallel with mine, was that Jesus cheered on the failure to go again. He says to her, you've sinned, yes, well go and sin no more. He picked and cheered her on to go again. I was so thankful that Jesus came to me and he got a hold of my life and he says, boy, oh boy, when you make mistakes, Christian, you do it big. Yeah? Anybody feel like that? You do it big. But Jesus comes and picks, pick me up and pick this woman up and says, now go on, son. Go again. Go again. And this is what happened with this woman. And I see it. I see how Jesus Jesus works. This is the kind of Jesus, listen to me, that I know personally. So I can tell you through notepads. I can tell you through theological text. And I can give you all the things about Jesus. But what I really want you to know is this. Jesus considers the sinner calms our fears. He comforts the weary. He cherishes the broken. And he cheers on the failure to go again. This is why it's my resolve to follow Jesus because of what he has done from me. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Friend, this morning, church family, this morning, please don't quit. Just lean into Jesus this morning. Know that he'll never leave you and he'll never let you go. There's no turning back. We're going to sing that one if Kev would come onto the stage and the musicians. And just as we draw it to a close, I wonder if we just bow our heads in prayer. We may have come this morning knowing about God, knowing about Jesus, but not actually knowing and experiencing Jesus in your own heart. What I'm talking about is there's been a change that's happened. You know that you've gone out of your sinful life and you've stepped into a new life, a clean life, a freeing life. 
And while every eye is closed and head is bowed, if you would say, Christian, would you pray for me this morning? Because I want to step out of my old life and I want to step into my new life with Jesus. I want to get to know this Jesus personally. And you by stepping, I wonder if you just lift your hand where you are and I'm just going to pray. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? Thank you. Anybody else this morning who would say yes to Jesus? So anybody else who says yes to him? Thank you. Anybody else this morning says yes to Jesus? They want to step out of your old life into your new life in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for hands that have gone up. Pray, Lord, that you would make certain in some cases that they are born again. Lord, that they would go know today that they've had an encounter with the living God. For those who may have never followed you, Jesus, they've been doing it their own way. They've been doing it their way. That, Lord, that they would step into following you and that they would live for you. While every eye is closed and head is bowed, you may say, Christian, would you just pray for me this morning? Because I'm in a storm and I need God to just help me. Just raise your hand where you are now. Just leave it up for a minute. Yeah, number of hands. Just leave it up. Anybody else this morning, just before I pray, you're just in a storm. Jesus, I pray for each and every one of these precious, precious people. Lord, in the midst of their storm, Lord, that they would know, they would know that Jesus, you are there with them. They would know the rock that is higher than I. They would know, Jesus, that you are there comforting, caring, considering, helping, encouraging, cheering them on. Thank you, Lord, that you don't treat us as our sins deserve. But through your awesome grace and mercy. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just work in every heart and every life. In every situation. In Jesus' name. We say together, we're going to keep following you, Jesus. Because there is only one Jesus. And he's the one that we love and serve and know. We say we've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I wonder if we'd just stand to our feet. And certainly those who responded this morning, just sing it in faith this morning. You might not have felt like turning back, but I understand just that resolve. I'm going to keep following Jesus. It may be this morning that you've made your commitment for the very first time. I want to encourage you to sing this song. I have decided to follow Jesus and seal the decision that you've made this morning. For others of us who life is great, it's good to confess again, isn't it? Our faith and dependency in the Lord. Amen. By the way, I'm doing great now. (laughs) I'm doing great. God's on the throne. God's got it all sorted. See, if you're like me this morning... That, you know, you've come through this, you've navigated your way through. There's challenges and twists and turns of life that we don't understand. But if you're doing good, I want you to stand as as well to your feet and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I wonder if we'd stand to our feet and we'll sing this as we close this morning.
Lord, we bring this song as an offering to you. Maybe sweet to you. Took a lot of resolve and commitment for some people to actually sing that this morning, Lord. Because they're wavering. Thank you, Lord, that they've made that commitment to follow you. Thank you, Lord, for those this morning who have made a commitment to follow you for the very first time. And I pray, Lord, that as they've sung this song, that you would seal the decision that they've made to follow you all of their days. We ask, Lord, continually that you would just center us in the life of Arena Church to know that everything is free.